sorry. Yeah, that's mildly. Uh... I, I'm extremely grateful to be here tonight. I really um, enjoy speaking to people. I enjoy the opportunity to use the gifts that God has given me to um, share with others. And one of my biggest goals is to help people reach their potential. And most importantly, to reach their potential for the Lord. Because we've been given our lives as a gift from the Lord to use for Him. And some events, especially of the recent past, have shown me how fragile life is and how we can easily run out of time before we know before we know it. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more as this talk progresses. Um, but first I'd like to open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for the chance to have some fun with these kids. And I thank you for what these kids represent, Father. They, they are the future of our country. They're the future of our church. And so I pray that as we open your word and we, we learn what it has to say to us, that we would leave here changed people. Not the same as when we came, but thinking about how we can apply the words that you have for us today and to not be just hearers, but also doers of it. And may we not be just young people who might be able to serve God someday, but may we realize that there are things we can do now that we can have fun, but we also need to have a serious outlook on the things of your word. Pray that you would bless this time, and that you would um, anoint my words, that they would be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Ben has given me the opportunity to share with you actually four different lessons. So this is, this is the introductory lesson. Um, we're actually going to, starting next week, we're going to talk about ten different things about who you are that you may have wanted to change at one point in your life. Um, these are things that God, that God has, has given you, whether it be your place in your family, your birth order, whether it be whether you're a boy or a girl, whether it be something about your physical appearance, all these things that God has ordained about you that He had a purpose in. And at one time or another, we all have things about us that we want to change. But God has made us who we are so that we can fit into His plan because He has jobs for each of us to do. So the focus of tonight is basically to talk about what God can do through a life that's dedicated to Him. We're going to start out with an introduction. 
Uh, I know you guys like to play sports. You were talking about possibly playing soccer when um, we kind of decided to stay indoors tonight. Um, which, by the way, I didn't bring my soccer cleats, so I'm kind of glad that uh, we stayed indoors. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to ask you this question. If you were going to start a, a sports team, let's just use soccer for an example, what type of player would you want to choose for your team? What are some things that a soccer player has to be? Messi. Messi was not... No, Messi. No, Messi is a soccer player. The soccer player named Messi. He's like okay. Amazing. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about specific soccer players, but what what makes him a good what makes him a good soccer player? He's fast. Okay. He's fast. That's one. We're good with the team. Endurance. Coordination. 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 What does that even mean? <laughs> He's in Okay. Okay. Well. Basically, what you want is the most athletic people on the field. When you're putting together a team, you usually don't want the shortest, um, slowest, klutziest person out there to be on your team. That's just not something that you would want if you were putting together a sports team, whether it be soccer or basketball or football or whatever sport you want to say you would want the strongest the the tallest perhaps the oldest the biggest all those things that you would want and that's a natural human response but I want to talk to you a little bit about what God wants from people to be used by him. You see, God is not someone who wants to share his glory. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says that he is a jealous God and that he doesn't want to share his glory with anyone else. So, God, when he's choosing his team, when he's choosing his leaders, he doesn't often choose someone who would be the most athletic, the most charismatic the most outspoken, the fastest, the biggest, the oldest. Often he chooses someone that the world would look right past and not think much about. I want to talk to you about a couple different Bible stories where God took people that in the world's eyes couldn't do anything and he changed them through his power and made them something made them something special in his plan. And the first person that we're going to talk about is Moses. Now Moses had an interesting um, life. Does anybody know what happened right after Moses was born? Where did, where did he get put after, right after he was born? He got put in the Nile River why was that? Do you remember? Because they, they were killing all the male babies. Yeah, they were killing all the male babies, and his mom wanted to save. Yeah, his mom had a, had a baby boy, and they were killing all the male babies in Egypt, and so he was put in the Nile River to be saved. And then the, the princess of Egypt uh, 
fetched Moses out of the river, decides to adopt him as her son, knowing that he's a Hebrew. She saves his life. She raises him in the palace, which ironically his own mother was his nurse from the time that he was young after he was fetched from the river to the time uh, approximately two or three years later when he was brought to the Pharaoh's palace. He grows up uh, basically second in line for the throne. We don't know if there were any other biological relatives, but basically he was pretty close to the throne. He, When he's about 40 years old, he goes out and sees his people being mistreated. And he actually intercedes on behalf of a Hebrew servant. And he kills an Egyptian. And the next day, he intercedes in another argument. And his own people say, What? Will you kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And so, he leaves. He decides to get out of Dodge, or Egypt in this case. And he leaves. So he goes to the desert, and he meets Jethro. And Jethro has three daughters. Jethro gives him one of his daughters to be his wife, makes him a shepherd over his sheep, and for another 40 years, Moses is on the back of the desert shepherding sheep. Now I'm sure at this point Moses is like, this is not the way I had my life planned out. I, you know, I used to have my Blackberry uh, all full with, with important scheduled appointments with heads of state and all this stuff, and now I'm herding sheep. And this is just not the way I had a plan. Well, one day he's herding the sheep, and he sees a burning bush, but the bush is not burning up. It's burning, but not burning up. So he decides, I'm going to go aside and see what this is about. So he goes, and the Lord speaks to him from the bush, and essentially the Lord says to him, I have heard the cry of my people Israel, and I want you to go and deliver them. And Moses says, I can't do that. Let's look in Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So this is Moses saying, I can't do what you told me to do because I'm just not that kind of person. So we have our first sub-point. Moses couldn't do this. There, there was nothing, at least as far as Moses was concerned, in his physical makeup, in the way he was made, that would allow him to accomplish this goal. But God has an answer for Moses. Because he says in Exodus 4.11, the following verse, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And so at this point, after taking him through a couple different signs that he can share with the people of Israel, he says, you're going to go. Now, interestingly enough, God could have said, I'll just let the people go my own way, and you can just go do your own thing. 
But that is not what God is about. God uses people to do His will. So, Moses decides to go on this journey, and he realizes, eventually, in fairly short order, that God knows what He's talking about. So, this is Moses realizing God's power. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. So then Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more, forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. So, Moses is not, in this particular passage, they're by the Red Sea, the Egyptian army's bearing down on them. He's not talking about fighting the Egyptians. He's not even talking about fleeing from their face. He's just saying, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So that the Lord is the only one, in this particular instance, that could even remotely take credit for what's about to happen. Because remember, the the Israelites are standing still. And we just see throughout the story of Moses, I encourage you to go through Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, especially Exodus and Deuteronomy, and just see how God intercedes for the children of Israel, but it was only because Moses was finally willing to go. And God got pretty angry with Moses before he got him to that point. But God always gets His will accomplished. I would recommend that if God calls you to do something, you don't take Moses' example and fight, try to fight your way out of it because, as you can see, God already has an answer to, to your arguments before you even voice them. The second young man that I want to share with you tonight is Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah was a prophet of the people of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord calls Jeremiah and it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah speaking, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. So Jeremiah is basically, he must have been pretty young, I'm not sure. I'm guessing he was at least a teenager. But can you imagine being your age, maybe even a little bit older, but basically your age, and being told that you that you are called to be a prophet in the land of Israel? That's pretty pretty uh, intense stuff. But again, the Lord has the answer, the response. It says, "But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child." For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, 
And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And he said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. So again, it wasn't about Jeremiah. It was God putting words in Jeremiah's mouth that he could speak to the people. And because Jeremiah was willing, God was able to use him to share some very important truths with the stubborn children of Israel. It's actually amazing, as you read through the Bible, how stubborn the children of Israel were because they were led out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they continued to go their own way in so many areas. But that's another message for another time. Now I want to take a little time to share with you my testimony, my story of what the Lord has done in my life. Because, really, that's why I'm here today. I was born in May of 1979. And I was... Which is great, because um, I love having a birthday that is at least moderately warm, although in Michigan you can get all kinds of crazy weather in May, and June as we're seeing today. But anyway, I liked pretty much being born in May. And the fact that um, every five years, approximately, my birthday falls on Memorial Day, and they have parades and parties in my honor, that doesn't hurt either. Hmm. But there was a problem. I wasn't supposed to arrive until August. My parents were actually on vacation. They knew they were having a baby soon, so they said, we'll go on vacation one more time before we have a baby. Well, I guess I probably wanted to go on vacation too, so I decided to show up three months early. Well then, I had problems breathing when I was born because my lungs weren't fully developed and they put me on a respirator to help me breathe but they didn't have children's respirators in 1979 so essentially what happened is that the respirator blew holes in my lungs causing them to collapse causing brain damage which put me in the wheelchair now my parents I, I praise God that my parents raised me in a Christian home so they they knew right away that God had a purpose for my life. And they spent my whole childhood, and even now, continuing to instill in me that God had a purpose for what He did. And when I was almost four years old, I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And that was the best decision I ever made. But, unfortunately, for the next nine years, I spent a lot of time arguing with God. I really resonated with Moses because I said, you know, God, if you had made me different, I could help, I could serve you. But you made me the way you made me, so there's nothing I can do for you. And God, God would come to me every once in a while and 
and say, there's great things I want to do through you. And I, I would kind of say, no, I, I really, I really, I wish I could do more for you, but I, but I just can't. I don't know why you made me this way. Don't know why you left me in this wheelchair. Uh, you know, I wish I could just run and play with the other kids, and, and you're just unfair. I mean, I knew my eternal destiny, but I was pretty mad at God. When I was 13 years old, my three-month-old baby brother, John Michael, who was perfectly healthy up to the day, went to bed for a nap and never woke up. And this was my lowest point. Because when I realized that he was gone, I remember just weeping in my mother's arms, saying, why did God take John Michael and leave me here because I'm utterly useless? That's what I thought about myself at that point. And for about six or eight months, I was in a really deep depression. And I didn't want to go to church, but fortunately, because I was in a wheelchair, um, my parents could basically take me wherever they wanted, and there was nothing I could do about it. (laughs) So I went to church every Sunday during that time, even though I really didn't want to be there. But... The following June, I think, I think it was then, so about 11 months later, I was coming out of this depression, I was feeling a little better, but I was still fighting God. And I went to a seminar, and I went to this session, and he talked about the 10 things that I'm going to talk to you guys about for the next three, three weeks. And one of those things that particularly resonated with me was... The way God makes you physically. Because I, you know, I, I constantly had trouble with the fact that God had decided to put me in this wheelchair. There was no logical explanation in my mind. I was like, you know, I could do so much more. I kept saying that I could do so much more. And finally at that conference, God broke through and he said to me, Andrew, he said, You don't need to change on the outside for me to use you. You just have to have a change of heart on the inside. And that night, I committed to the Lord that any opportunity He gave me to share with others what He's done in my life, I would. And see, what I what I didn't realize is that I was exactly right. I can't do any of the great things that I wanted to do. I can't do those things. But He can. It says in John chapter 15, verse 5, John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And that's what I was missing. The fact that I felt like I had to do it. And I didn't realize that it was God who works in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Which is what Philippians 2 verse 13 says.
And so, I had that eye-opener at the conference. And I, I started to get more and more opportunities. And today, I, I get to travel around from time to time. I'm hoping to do more and more of it. And preach and encourage others. And I particularly have a heart for young people because you guys are the future. I love to have a good time. I love to laugh and joke. All my friends, Isaac and Ben, can tell you some stories. But, but I also know that we need to be serious. And I know that God can use us no matter how young we are. And uh, I just, I've come to realize that God has been able to use me in ways because of my wheelchair that He never would have been able to use me otherwise. And my wheelchair has kept me out of a lot of trouble, I think. One of the reasons I wasn't able to end my life was because of my physical limitations. And I thank God every day for that because I was really close. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10 expresses my current outlook. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distressions, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. You know, we don't know exactly what Paul's thorn was. Some people think it was his eyesight. Because he talks in one of his epistles about writing in a very large hand. And I don't think he was talking about the physical anatomy of his hand. Because then he wouldn't have a choice whether or not to write in a large hand. But that's kind of a side note rabbit trail there. But anyway, Paul wanted to get rid of this thorn because he probably felt, you know, I'd, I'd be more effective if I didn't have this thorn. But sometimes it's, it's in the brokenness. It's in the imperfection where God can show up and He can show up big. Um... Just as a quick practical example from the Bible. Does anybody remember the story of Gideon? When Gideon was called to lead the, Midian, lead the Israelites over the Midianites, how many people did he gather first? Does anybody remember? 32,000 32, people. And God said, it's too many. And he goes through like two or three rounds of elimination... Because he says if there's too many people, 
that go against the Mennonites, then they're going to say, by our own hand, we've delivered ourselves from the Midianites. But what did I just read in John? Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. That doesn't mean some things. That doesn't mean we can leave God on the shelf some days and and be successful. And that doesn't mean that you can't have some worldly success. But ultimately, in the things that matter, you can't do anything apart from God. And so, what he does is he brings the army down to 300. And then they don't even use conventional battle weapons. They don't ever raise a sword. They take pitchers that were like lanterns. And they break them and they yell at the top of their lungs, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon! And the Midianites begin fighting amongst each other and fleeing for their lives. Not because of any great military might, but because God won the victory for them before they even started. And another cool thing about Gideon is you know where he was when God called him? He was in a wine press hiding from the Midianites, hiding his grain, threshing wheat. And God comes to him in the form of an angel and says, God is with you, mighty man of valor. And the last thing he probably thought of himself was that he was a mighty man of valor. Matter of fact, he said that he was the least person of the least tribe of Israel. So basically, he's like, God, you're, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. You could do a lot better. But God called him a mighty man of valor, not because that's what he was at the time, but because when God looks at us, he doesn't just look at us who we are now. He looks at us who we have the potential to be if we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when the power of the Holy Spirit fills a person, they can do exceedingly abundantly about all that they could ever ask or think. Because when God calls them to a task, He gives them everything they need to accomplish it. I'm, I'm finding that in my own life. You know, there's, there's still some things that sometimes don't seem to connect. But I'm getting opportunities to share with others. And I'm praying about some of the other things, knowing that God is going to answer them in His time. Praying for a job that will help me to supplement my speaking ministry. That will work well as, as a supplement. I'm praying for a wife who can go along with me in this ministry that I feel is so crucial. And I believe that those things will happen with time. And I, trust me, sometimes it's really hard to be patient. Um, my, my brother's probably get sick of hearing me talk about wanting those things. So I talk to them about it a lot. But I'm driven to accomplish my goals not because I'm someone special, but because I met a God who can do anything if He so chooses.
And when I accomplish something, such as when I got my college degree, that some people may or may not have thought I could do because of my limitations, it's an amazing opportunity to talk about how God had done in me and through me something I couldn't do for myself. So I want to leave you with this parting thought. You can do that which God has called you to do. He's given you all different aptitudes, different interests, different physical characteristics, a different gender. Because He knew what He wanted you to do. And you won't have all the answers. You know, that's one of my biggest faults is that I want to, I want to see 12 steps ahead. Just give me the next 12 steps, Lord. And He's like, well, you haven't taken the last one that I gave you. So, wherever you are in your life's journey, just know that God wants to have a personal relationship with you. If you know the Lord, think about this. Spend time with Him. If you have a best friend on the earth, on the, or an earthly best friend, what is it that you want to do with them? You want to be on the phone with them. You want to be texting them. Or you want to be with them even more so in their presence. And sometimes you have a, a friend that you could be with for hours and it would feel like you were hardly with them at all just because it's so good to be with them that the time flies. And that's the kind of friend that Jesus wants to be with you too. Because He came down, lived a perfect life, and then was nailed to a cross to pay for your sins and for my sins. And then He rose again on the third day to prove that He had, he had conquered death and sin. Um, I just... I hope that if you haven't made a decision for Christ, that you will do so tonight. And that you will realize that it's the Moseses and the Jeremiahs. The people that know they can't be used. That God uses the most. I'm going to close with a song about another unsung hero from the Bible. And uh, his name is David. One by one, Jesse's son stood before the prophet. Their father knew a king would soon be found. While each one passed, except the last, no one thought to call him. For surely he would never wear a crown. But when others see a shepherd,
a king even when your life seems filled with ordinary things in just one moment he can touch you and everything will change when others see a shepherd boy God may see a king one by one Problems come, dreams get shattered, and sometimes it's hard to understand. Well, things like chance and circumstance, they don't really matter. Our Father holds tomorrow in His hands, and when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king even though your life seems filled with ordinary things in just one moment he can touch you and everything will change when others see a shepherd boy God may see a king <clears throat> well he wasn't the oldest and he wasn't the strongest chosen on that day. <clears throat> Yet the giant fell, and nations trembled when they stood in his way. And when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king, even though your life seems filled with ordinary things. In just one moment, he can touch you. And everything will change when others see a shepherd boy. God may see a king. God may see a king. Ben, would you close in prayer? Yeah, sure. Father, I thank you uh, for this lesson about uh, God being able to use us even though the world may see us as not being usable. And uh, think about how we all have different things that uh, really show that we, um, we're, we're limited and we don't have uh, what the world wants. Um, but, uh, Father, we know that you're a great God and you're a powerful God. And, uh, and you can... Um, then you will get the glory out of our life, and you will be glorified. And uh, and Father, I ask that we realize that we'd, uh, we'd uh, put our faith in that and, and not worry about um, what the world thinks of us, but really understand that you can use us, and we'd be committed.